Hello, I'm Aaron Lohr. And I'm Caitlin Andrzejczyk. And this is the Endocrine News Podcast. Thank you for downloading this podcast, a free service of the Endocrine Society. In this episode, we talk about adrenal fatigue and failure with James Findling, Clinical Professor of Medicine and Director of the Community Endocrinology Center and Clinics at the Medical College of Wisconsin in Milwaukee. Last September, Dr. Findling gave a presentation about this topic at the Endocrine Society's Clinical Endocrinology Update in Miami. We talk about the debate surrounding the symptoms that some see as indicative of adrenal fatigue and others see as a false positive for a condition that, in fact, does not exist. Also, Caitlin will have a research update and our trivia question. Stay tuned. Today's interview discusses the myth of adrenal fatigue, a term used to explain symptoms including tiredness, difficulty sleeping, salt and sugar cravings, and requiring caffeine to stay alert throughout the day. Dr. Finling discusses this topic and describes how there is no scientific evidence to support that adrenal fatigue is a real medical condition requiring treatment. Dr. Findling has recently published papers in the Journal of the Endocrine Society and JCEM, where his research focused on treatment of hypercortisolism. He was a co-author of the 2015 Clinical Practice Guideline on Treatment of Cushing Syndrome. These articles are free to download and can be found at www.endocrine.org podcast. For our trivia question today, what should you do if you think you have adrenal fatigue or if you have been told you have adrenal fatigue. I'll have the answer for you after the interview. And now, our interview with James Findling from the Medical College of Wisconsin. We spoke with him in Miami this past September. What exactly are people talking about when they say adrenal fatigue? Adrenal fatigue, unfortunately, is a diagnosis that has been promoted by integrative medicine physicians to explain a lot of nonspecific signs and symptoms that occur in patients frequently, such as fatigue, malaise, brain fog, and other ailments that are clearly not related to a hormonal dysfunction of the adrenal gland. There's a lot of controversy around this and a lot of debate. Some people get very heated in this. They'll say that it's definitely a real condition, while others will say there's no evidence to support adrenal fatigue being a diagnosable condition at all. So what is the truth here and what is the myth here? Well, failure of the adrenal glands with underproduction of steroid hormones such as cortisol is a real entity described in the middle part of the 19th century, in fact. But the idea that these patients have some downregulation of adrenal function because of stress or chronic stress or chronic illness is not supported by any scientific evidence whatsoever. Moreover, the administration of corticosteroids in these patients has not been shown to have any benefit. Uh, for example, there are patients who have a chronic fatigue syndrome, which is a well-established diagnosis uh, for which there is no established cause, does not benefit from the administration of glucocorticoids for any sustained period of time. One of the other problems is that when you give cortisol to patients, cortisone, uh, regardless of whether they have cortisol deficiency or not, they feel better for a short period of time. There's mm -hmm. a euphoric response to the administration of steroids that has nothing to do with, with your baseline adrenal function might be. So many patients, at least for a short duration, 
feel better when they take steroids, even if they, even <laughs> if they have normal uh, glucocorticoid uh, or cortisol function. So I think that's the other uh, problem with this diagnosis, that when patients get steroids, they feel better, regardless of what, what their baseline cortisol level may be. So that could reinforce the idea that this is doing something for me. Absolutely. And, and that's one of the problems, is that patients feel better when they get cortisone. Well, most of us will feel better for a short period of time when we get steroids. We have a, a euphoric response to glucocorticoid administration. So I did something a little fun before this interview, uh, fun being a relative term, and I looked online to see what others are saying about adrenal fatigue, and I found a lot of headlines. Um, I found one that said adrenal fatigue is the chief cause of anxiety. I found one that highlighted recipes to help with your adrenal fatigue. And surprisingly, I found another headline that said a cyclist, a professional cyclist who races, he put his racing career on hold due to adrenal fatigue. Now, if, as we established earlier, adrenal fatigue is not an accepted medical diagnosis, why is it so widespread? Well, throughout the history of medicine, physicians have always used diagnoses that have no scientific basis to support non-specific complaints that patients have and used uh, various vitamins and potions to treat them. And there is a placebo effect to all of these compounds. In fact, one of the things that was recently published is that some of these adrenal support compounds that are provided to patients with adrenal fatigue actually contain steroids. So that, in fact, this was quite a shock because I had told patients for many years that oh, this is just, you know, placebo. But in fact, most of these compounds not only contain steroids, they all contain thyroid hormone, T3. So that when you give somebody a little extra thyroid hormone and a little extra steroid all at the same time, there will be some effect. I don't think that justifies the administration of these support compounds at all. But it underscores the problem is that we're giving patients not only steroids, we're giving them thyroid hormone when we give them adrenal support compounds. I think this is a tragedy. I think it's unfortunate that the integrative medicine community has embraced this diagnosis, which has, as I mentioned earlier, no scientific validity. But we're stuck with it, and we have to deal with it every often in our practices. I try not to dismiss the diagnosis out of hand. I say, well, it's possible that you might have adrenal insufficiency. Let's do a dynamic test of adrenal function to see if that's true. And invariably, these patients have normal adrenal function, normal responses of cortisol to ACTH administration. So I, I show them objective evidence that there's no cortisol deficiency. Sometimes that <laughs> mediates the, and eliminates the, the, the diagnosis, but oftentimes it does not. But I think the most important thing is there's actually potential harm to these patients by certainly administering cortisol if they don't need it. And even in the, the so-called adrenal support compounds that are available without any FDA regulation actually do contain amounts of steroids and thyroid hormone. What if some of these compounds that you're talking about are in there, like thyroid hormone, and, and people are taking these without their doctor knowing, what are some of the harms that might come from trying to treat this supposed condition? First and foremost, the administration of corticosteroids is not without some potential ill effects, even in small doses. Physiologic 
glucocorticoid, what we would consider physiologic glucocorticoid replacement, may even cause things like aseptic necrosis of the hip. I've seen actually that happen in a mm. patient with adrenal fatigue who got steroid administration, bilateral aseptic necrosis of the hip, avascular a necrosis of the hip, I, sh- I should say. I think the idea that small doses of glucocorticoids may not have any impact is certainly not true. Weight gain is common, and obviously that may lead to other cardiometabolic dysfunction and problems that are important. So I think the idea that just giving somebody physiologic glucocorticoids is safe is not true. Mm-hmm. Moreover, I, I think it's even giving extra thyroid hormone to patients is probably not good. And this is T3. All these compounds contain a lot of T3. And I think that could be deleterious to some patients, particularly with underlying cardiovascular disease. So I, I'm, I try to speak with some degree of certainty to the patient that they don't have a, a significant metabolic dysfunction of the adrenal gland and that the hormone supplements that are, they're being given or that what they think they're being given could be very harmful in the long run. A lot of people, when they get sick or they're feeling... Maybe they're feeling a lot of fatigue or tiredness. One of the first things they might do is go online and just type in their symptoms and yeah. see what happens. And we see this all the time, this sort of self-diagnosis. Do you think in this era of so much information online that this self-diagnosis is feeding conditions like adrenal fatigue and making them seem like they're something more real? Because who isn't feeling tired, weak, or need a cup of coffee in the morning to get them going? Absolutely. There's no question that the I'm sure there are blogs and all sorts of things online where patients claim that they have this diagnosis and feel better when they took support compounds. But I think most endocrinologists would agree that there is no scientific evidence whatsoever to support this diagnosis. Adrenal insufficiency is certainly a real diagnosis that needs to be properly diagnosed and treated. So what is uh, adrenal insufficiency then? Adrenal insufficiency is a relatively uncommon condition that the adrenal glands make inadequate amounts of steroids, mostly cortisol being the prominent one. When there's primary adrenal dysfunction, then they also fail to make aldosterone and mineralocorticoids. These conditions are relatively easy to diagnose with simple biochemical tests that are very familiar to all endocrinologists. And the range of normal is well-established, and the therapies are simple to administer. The most common forms of adrenal insufficiency or low cortisol levels are actually due to the exogenous administration of steroids themselves, which Mm. downregulate pituitary adrenal function and cause low endogenous cortisol production. But since those patients are taking already taking steroids, they don't need to take additional steroids, of course. And uh, drugs like opioids, I think one of the things we don't know very much about is why opioid therapy, obviously a widespread epidemic in the United States, causes downregulation of pituitary adrenal function and hypocortisolemia in many patients. Uh, And we also don't know what to do about that. There's just not any good prospective studies. But low cortisol levels are uh, relatively common in patients on opioids. Whether they need to have adrenal corticosteroid support is a clinical decision. I rarely actually administer it in those patients since I think it appears that most of them respond very well to stress, that their adrenal glands will respond to stress, mm-hmm. but they may have low basal cortisol levels. I only administer steroids in, that ca- in those cases that have uh, either weight loss or hypertension or really 
overt signs and symptoms of cortisol deficiency. So I think it's one of the overlooked um, causes of low cortisol level. Is it possible that someone who's going to go through a self-diagnosis process or the uninformed healthcare provider who actually does give some sort of diagnosis of adrenal fatigue may be masking an underlying condition that's going to get missed. So I'm feeling tired all the time. Even when I wake up after a long sleep, you know, I still sometimes feel tired. Someone tells me I have adrenal fatigue. Was it possible that something else could have been going on, but by labeling it with this, those things never get found out? Certainly that's possible. In my practice, the most common cause of fatigue that's not an overt endocrinopathy is obstructive sleep apnea. So when somebody tells me they're tired and have brain fog and are sleepy mm-hmm. or have malaise, the first question I ask is, is, do they snore? Because I think obstructive sleep apnea is a real, important, and potentially even a life-threatening uh, disorder that needs to be diagnosed and, and treated. So I make an effort not to dismiss their symptoms of fatigue and brain fog and malaise. Right. I, I, I dismiss them. They have those problems. But to try to find an authentic diagnosis, they may explain them. And sometimes it's neuropsychiatric. Sometimes it's there's other objective things, even anemia, so many other causes of fatigue that need to be excluded. But adrenal fatigue is not the diagnosis. Clearly established, it's not the diagnosis. So in that rare and hopefully it doesn't happen circumstance where a patient does receive a diagnosis of adrenal fatigue, which they should not, which we have as much they should not, then the case that they do, what should that patient now do? I think that, that they should see an endocrinologist. The endocrinologist hopefully will not dismiss their symptoms, but will send them on a path of uh, making the correct diagnosis. And that may start with doing a dynamic test of adrenal function, which is what I do. I do a rapid ACTH cosyntropin stimulation test and show the patient that they have a normal basal cortisol and a normal response to ACTH and that their symptoms must be related to some other cause. And then we embark on a journey to try to find out what that cause may be. Now, we may not find an endocrinopathy, but we may find something else that is causing their fatigue and may help them. I think another thing I try to explain to them that chronic stress, and this is the other thing that really upsets me about this diagnosis, is that they, people who promote it believe that chronic stress, physical, psychological, may somehow cause cortisol deficiency. In fact, it's just the opposite. I mean, chronic stress activates the pituitary adrenal function. So these patients probably have, throughout the course of the day, higher cortisol levels than the normal population. So if they were promoting a state of adrenal overactivity, I think they'd be closer <laughs> to being correct than a, than a state of adrenal underactivity. So in fact, they've got it all wrong. The, the physiology is exactly opposite of what they're, what they're saying. So I, I think if, if people were out there promoting if these patients have adrenal cortisol excess, they'd be much closer to the truth than adrenal cortisol deficiency. This has been a very illuminating discussion. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Okay. My pleasure. Earlier in this episode, I asked, what should you do if you think you have adrenal fatigue or if you have been told you have adrenal fatigue? As we've learned throughout this interview, adrenal fatigue is an unproven diagnosis. 
physicians will urge you to get a real diagnosis as you may be suffering from adrenal insufficiency, depression, sleep apnea, chronic fatigue syndrome, or other health problems. That's all for this episode. Thank you for listening to the Endocrine News Podcast. To learn more, visit www.endocrine.org podcast. There you can find this episode and some helpful links. This is our final episode of 2018, and we have a lot of topics to discuss in the new year. Most of all, we want to know what you want to talk about. Let us know by emailing us at podcast at endocrine.org. You can subscribe to Endocrine News Podcasts on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave a review on iTunes. Happy holidays, and thanks again for listening. Endocrine News Podcasts are a free service of the Endocrine Society. To learn more or to become a member, visit the Society's website at www.endocrine.org.